The room was completely dark, cool. There was no breeze, the air still and stagnant, like a musky, below-ground basement. A voice in my ear had told me to remain still, or I'd die. Having been blindfolded since they took me from my home, I had no reason to believe they were lying. I had been placed in a chair and was sitting quietly, following their instructions. A loud mechanical sound rang out, and through the thin cloth I could see light. A voice came out over some sort of loudspeaker. Remove your blindfolds, it said. I did so gratefully, willingly taking in my surroundings. There was another chair directly across from me. A young man was sitting in it, and also had removed his blindfold. He regarded me at first in fear, perhaps thinking I was his kidnapper. I shook my head slightly, trying to communicate that I was not a threat. They seemed to get the hint and also started looking around. We had been placed across from one another on a sort of raised platform, the edges of which led to a steep drop in all directions. We were seated in an extremely large room. Several other platforms had been spaced throughout. Above each was a light, just like ours. Two people sat across from one another, all of them looking as confused as we were. Below us, it was simply darkness, a vacuous space that seemed to go on forever. There was no telling just how far down it went. On the walls on either side of us, there were large mirrors, which gave an almost dizzying effect. Our platform was positioned closest to one of these mirrored walls, so only had one neighboring platform. As we moved our heads and bodies around to survey the room, we felt the floor below us shake. Hold still, the other man on the platform said. I think we're on a pivot point. Indeed, the more we moved around the platform, the more it tilted and put us off our balance. Only standing on the center line between our two chairs created a level surface. We managed to steady ourselves, but one duo was not so lucky. They had taken too many wayward steps, which caused their partner to lose their balance and fall. The force from the body hitting the side of the platform was enough to tip it entirely. They both fell, out of sight and into the darkness. Their screams echoed off the walls, reverberating for all to hear. There was nothing we could do but stand there, helpless. After what seemed like an eternity, there were two deep thuds, bassy thumps that shook my chest as the deep sound hit my body. I stood in shock at what I had just witnessed. Two people lost for no reason at all. My partner on the platform spoke first. 18 seconds, he said. What? I asked. They fell for 18 seconds. It's far, really far, he replied. How do you know that? I inquired. It's a simple calculation. 18 seconds till the impact. You reach terminal velocity in about 12 seconds or 120 miles per hour. Based on the time, that drop is right around a mile. None of us would survive it, they said. I cringed a little at the cold description. The gruesome fate of these two souls reduced to a math equation. 
My partner seemed to pick up on this. Sorry, they said. I get in my head about math sometimes. Helps me cope with difficult situations. Turned back to them then, believing their explanation to be sincere. I'm Randy, I said. I'd come over and shake your hand, but I don't know if I trust this platform yet. They chuckled a little bit. My name's Ben. Nice to meet you, they replied, returning the introduction. I nodded before resuming my examination of the room. The nearest platform contained two women who were still looking around and down into the void. Their platform was fairly close to us, though not so close that I would risk a jump unless I absolutely had to. Most of the platforms that filled the space appeared to have this sort of interconnected pattern that we could use to traverse them if we so chose. An alarm rang above us suddenly, drawing my attention away from the room. A small metal basket was lowered down to our platform. In it was a small amount of food rations, some of those vacuum-sealed survival kits that doomsday preppers purchase. To my knowledge, these things were nutritious, but there was only a small amount here, maybe barely enough food for the two of us. At the platform next door, they received a small jug of water. From what I could tell at a distance, it was also a minimal supply, a jug filled with barely enough water to ration for two people. This pattern of food for some, water for others, continued throughout the room each of us only receiving one necessary survival component, and even then only enough for the two people on the platform. Not very much, is it? said Ben, looking into the basket and pulling out the rations. As he did this, the basket was whisked away back up to the ceiling. Other than the small light above us, it was as difficult to see up as it was down. I couldn't find the basket again after it retreated up and out of reach. No, it isn't, I said. We're going to need water, though. He nodded in agreement. I turned to the platform next to us with the two women. They had been discussing the small jug of water they received quietly amongst themselves. Excuse me, I said quietly. I seemed to jump a little at being addressed, but turned and began to listen. If it's okay with you as well, do you think we could share our food in exchange for some of the water you received, I asked. They looked at each other for a moment, and before turning back to me, they nodded and agreed that we could try it, though both groups hoped the supply line of essentials would bring more. More would come, but not any more than we had received. The baskets only ever contained exactly the amount we would need for two people, not four. Additionally, sleep was next to impossible on the platforms. A day passed, maybe two. It was hard to tell, with the light always on. Ben and I tried to lay on the platform in a straight line, but inevitably one of us would move while sleeping, throwing off the delicate balance of the platform. Several times we only just saved it before we'd be forced into a fall. As time went on, temperatures in the room amongst the platform started to flare up, either from lack of sleep water, food, or a combination of all of it. Several platforms could be heard arguing with one another, making accusations that some were eating more food or drinking more of the water than had been agreed to. 
Some ceased speaking to the others altogether, deciding it was better to go it alone than work with others. I wasn't sure how that would work. They were stranded with only some of what they needed to survive. Maybe they hoped rescue would come. In my mind, I also hoped for this. Though part of me knew whoever or whatever put us in this position had no intention of letting us be rescued. We were going to have to find a way to survive in here. A week passed, and things in the room were starting to get desperate. Some platforms had started to get hostile, shouting and demanding that others give them their resources. When one platform refused, the two men on the offending side jumped over, throwing off the entire balance of their two sections. One of the defending platform survivors fell off immediately. The other was thrown by the assaulting party. They took the supplies from the new platform, refusing to share with the others. The strategy seemed to band certain parties together, those that were willing to take, and those that were not. Unfortunately, the people who were unwilling to fight were overtaken by the larger group, easily consumed by the greater number of thieves that assailed them. Whenever one of the platforms fell, we were all reminded of the sickening thuds that marked the bottom of the void. One by one, the platforms fell, the thieves becoming more powerful, in control of all of the resources. Even we were closest to the far wall, we were the last to be targeted by the malicious group of survivors. The other platforms falling like sand in an hourglass till we would eventually have to face them. We should help the people next to us, said Ben, adamant that we would have to take a stand. We discussed a plan quietly with the two women next to us, deciding that it would be in our best interest to work together. The thieves had made their way next to our platforms within a day or two of the first takeover. Ben and I had carefully jumped from our space to the two women's, banding together on the fulcrum of the platform to stabilize it. Four men had gathered on the space nearest us, setting up to make an invasion. In all the rest of their assaults, they had simply jumped at some unprepared or unwilling people and then thrown them from their space. Our plan, at least tentatively, was to wait until they jumped and then tilt the platform backward, making the landing area much more difficult and, hopefully, throwing them off. They didn't even speak to us, offer any sort of agreement to trade with them. They only wanted what little we had, and knew that we had been weak from our rationing to really put up a fight. When they moved on us, it was one of their larger men. They had become quite adept at navigating the balance of these spaces, using their heavier weight to destabilize other survivors and throw them off their feet. The moment they jumped, the four of us took a single step backward, tilting the platform upward, changing the angle the man would have needed to reach us. The man's overconfidence had been his downfall. Their expression changed instantly as they saw they would not be landing on their feet. The man grabbed onto our platform, hands only barely gripping the edge. The force of this shot the platform down and balanced it again. Our two comrades with us were thrown to the floor but remained safely on top. The man who attacked us was not so lucky. The force of the shift caused him to lose his grip 
casting him off of the platform and into the vacuous depth below. His hollers and screams echoed off the walls like all the others, until the inevitable thud from below. His friends looked furious. Charging forward, they all jumped at us at once. They had not yet recovered from the previous assault, and so the force they put into the platform completely threw us off balance. One of the attackers who stumbled as he landed put two hands into my chest, shoving me backward in hopes that I would simply fall. I nearly did, stepping backward carefully and making a blind jump toward my home platform. Miraculously, I made it, but Ben and the two women were not so lucky. Ben, for his part, fought until the very end, grabbing one of the other attackers and pulling them down off the platform with him. The two women, who had been thrown to the floor from the first attack, had no chance at all. They were shoved and kicked to the edge and eventually down into the depths. It was just me now, alone on the last platform and faced with two attackers and more. Their allies, having seen our defense, had come to help deal with the last person who would resist them. I braced for the attack, steadying myself on the center of the platform. But that's when a strange mechanical sound rang out from the back of the room, followed by several screams and cries for help. Near the far side of the room, some of the thieves who had been standing on the last platform had found themselves completely upended, the platform completely on its side. One had already fallen, and the other was hanging on only by their fingertips. Then, the platform next to them suddenly went vertical. This time, there was no one on it. The mechanism holding the floor level had reversed, throwing any supplies they'd stored there down into the void. This event had completely drawn the attention of my attackers, who looked on in stunned concern as platform after platform became completely unusable, their comrades being dumped intentionally off and down to the murderous depths. Soon the usable platforms were reduced to the last few. The men glanced at me, maybe considering a jump to my platform, only they must have realized this was all over. They could jump over and fight me, but the person or thing that was controlling it had clearly decided we were no longer needed. They looked at each other, and then with one final glance at me, their platform was inverted. They fell, like all the others, into the depths, and made the all-too-familiar sickening thud at the bottom. I crouched down then, in the center of my platform, arms crossed and head in my legs. I sat there like that, awaiting the inevitable. Only the floor below me never changed. I sat, safely in my space. I looked up, surveying the room of inverted platforms. That's when the mechanical noise kicked on again. Not below my platform, but all the others. They were slowly righting themselves, moving back to level positions. On the far side of the room, the mirrored wall began to open up. A small door revealed behind the glass, and a bridge was extended to the nearest platform that I could reach. Behind me, in the other mirror, a banging noise suddenly started. I turned around in surprise, seeing the glass and the mirror shuddering as some force hammered against it. There was clearly a room back there, and someone inside was trying to reach out to me, only the sounds coming from the glass were muffled. If they were speaking, some sort of soundproofing was stopping me from hearing them. 
I looked from the mirror to the newly opened door and bridge, unsure of what to do. I considered my options. Someone was trying to warn me of something, but I certainly couldn't stay out here on this platform, which sat on a mechanical trap that could decide to kill me at any moment. My only choice had to be the new path and doorway on the far side, regardless of what warning I may be given from the closed room. I gave the mirror behind me another glance. I don't have a choice, I said. The banging stopped for a moment as I said this. Someone had to be listening to me. I can't stay here, wherever this is. I can't hear what you're trying to tell me, but I have to go where it's safe, I went on. The banging started again, more ferociously than before. The glass shook but did not break. I tried to ignore it as I started to jump from platform to platform on my way to the raised bridge. After I reached it, I took one last look at the chamber in which so many people had perished and decided I needed to press on and find a way out. I turned the handle on the door and it opened easily. It was heavy and upon entering closed sharply behind me. When I pressed on it, it would not budge, essentially locking me into this new room. There were three lights above me which illuminated a sort of control panel in front of a window. Outside the window I couldn't see anything, it was just complete darkness. The control panel in front of me had all sorts of buttons and switches on it, all with various labels. On the very top, there were two large red buttons that were currently illuminated. With the rest of the board currently darkened, this seemed like the logical first place to look. The button on the left read as follows. Terminate test subjects. Exit. The one on the right read. Begin test. So many questions exploded in my brain at once. Terminate the test subjects? What could that possibly be referring to? Of course I wanted to find an exit to this place, but the collateral effect of that made me nervous, especially having come from a room that had been so lethal. At that moment, the lights in the room in front of me flickered into life. My jaw dropped as I took in another room filled with platforms, two people sitting on each section. They were all blindfolded, just as I had been waiting patiently for something to happen. I glanced back down at the controls, taking in those that were not currently lit up, food and water delivery, and several buttons that had the word terminate, followed by a number. I was standing in front of a control station to conduct the same experiment that I was just a part of. I survived the platform only to become the orchestrator of the same atrocity. In that moment of realization, part of me wanted to hit the button to terminate the entire experiment and exit. Regardless of the human life that would be lost, I wanted to end this monstrous experiment right here. I moved my hand over the button, but then paused. The person in the other room had not taken this action. Instead of taking all of our lives at once, they had decided to forego their exit. They also must have saved me from my attackers, jettisoning them from their platforms one at a time until only I remained. I moved my hand away from the terminate button, the irony of the situation almost too much to bear. 
I recalled the banging noises from what must have been the other control room. I also realized that there would be no escape from me if I didn't terminate all of the innocent life in front of me. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I stood here, alive, at least for the moment, because someone else who had this same option wouldn't sacrifice all the others to save themselves. Maybe the person who survives this, they will find something different, another way out. That small hope lingering in the back of my mind, a reason or maybe an excuse to continue the experiment, if only to give at least one person a chance. I hovered my hand over the begin test button and then pressed it down. The button for terminate and exit immediately went out and the rest of the board lit up. A microphone was lowered in front of me, waiting for some kind of input. A small screen became illuminated, flashing some words across it. As I read them, I couldn't help but chuckle at the sick joke. I drew in a breath and spoke clearly into the microphone. Remove your blindfolds.